This morning's reading comes from the book of 1 Thessalonians, um, and I'm reading from verses 1 to 11, and if you're using the Church Bible, it's on page 1187. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 1 to 11. Finally, brothers, we instructed you how to live in order to please God, as in fact you are living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more, for you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immortality or immorality, that each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and honourable. Not in passionate lust like the heathen who do not know God and that in this manner no one should wrong his brother or take advantage of him. The Lord will punish men for all such things as we have already told you and warned you. For God did not call us to be impure but to live a holy life. Therefore he who rejects this instruction does not reject man but God who gives you his Holy Spirit. Now about brotherly love, we do not need to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do love all the brothers throughout Macedonia. Yet we urge you, brothers, do, to do so more and more. Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your hands, just as we told you so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders, and so you will not be dependent on anyone. May the Lord add his blessing to this reading. Let's pray. Lord God, as we look at this passage, we pray that you will be helping us to understand it, to be able to take it on board in our hearts and minds, and to put it into practice. Lord, we pray that you would be with us in these things as we listen to um, your word and as we try to live it out. In your name I pray. Amen. So last week we were looking of the image of a coin as the passage we are looking at last week at the end of one, uh, at the end of chapter three of one Thessalonians and the beginning of chapter four, which we're looking at this week. And we looked at with the picture of a coin how one side of the coin was Paul's um, encouragement to love each other and the other side of the coin that we're looking at this week was Paul's encouragement to be obedient because of that love. Within this, we also thought about how the sides of the coin um, were the reality that Paul, the Thessalonica church, and indeed we live in, the reason why we're called to be loving and to be obedient to each and every person we meet inside the church and outside. And it's a big question for anyone who is a Christian for anyone who claims to be a disciple of Jesus, about how they should be obedient and what this looks like in human life. And as you meet other Christians, if you spend time in church, you will find out that many approach this issue of obedience in lots of different ways. 
For Paul, it's clear that obedience is all about the relationship that he's been talking about so far in 1 Thessalonians. This knowing and loving, breathing relationship with God that he's already told the church and indeed he's told us as we read through the letter about. He says again in verse 11 of the passage that we've looked at, right at the end of our passage, that we need this loving relationship with each other and with God more and more. Because as a disciple spends time with God, their knowledge and ability to depend on God and therefore to be obedient increases each and every time. The problem is that relationship, any relationship, whether it be with God or with a human being, is actually quite a fluid thing. Relationships change as time goes on. They develop, they grow. Our knowledge of another person that we're in a relationship with will grow and therefore how we respond to them will hopefully grow and change as well. And it's like this as well with God. When we first become a disciple of Jesus, when we first have a relationship with God, we may respond to God in one way, but as we grow and we know more about God, this will develop, this will change, and hopefully the way we respond to God when we're a mature Christian will be different to the way we respond to God when we've just become to know him. And therefore the temptation can be when we think about obedience, when we look at faith and discipleship, is to bring it down into a legalistic form. Because as human beings, we like to know what we're doing. Generally, human beings, when we live life, don't do so well with fluid things that can change. Sometimes what we want to say about how we approach obedience is make it something which we can put in a box, something that we can get a grasp of, something that we know we can do well because it's really, really important. We might want to make it down into a math equation. We might want to say, if I do A and B, then C will surely follow. But sometimes it's not like that because we know... And we've read, and if you're not sure or you don't believe me, read the rest of 1 Thessalonians, that the Christian life is not easy. And therefore being obedient to just some rules and things that we put in place isn't always easy. As we said last week, there are very many varieties of things that can get in the way of us being loving and therefore can get in the way of us being obedient if we're looking at a set of rules. There's our mood and the mood of others. There's life circumstances. There's world events that can make us wonder where is God when such many things are happening in the world. There's how we feel at each given moment. There's how we or others feel at each given moment and how we or others feel about church. There's our mental and physical health. And as we thought about last week, all of these have the capacity to trip us up when we're trying to live a life doing what God wants us to do, a life as a disciple of Jesus. And therefore, if we're following a rule book, if we're saying, we have these rules, this is how I'm going to live, it's as simple as that, it's not something that moves, then actually that can be quite hard to do. We can try to do A, or we're doing A, but then we're trying to do B, but actually because of all the things going on around us, it can be downright hard if not impossible, and so we feel that C, where we're trying to get to, isn't something we can achieve. 
The Christian life and approach to obedience that Paul is putting forward is slightly different. Because it's the embracing of faith in Christ, where there's no burden to do anything, but there is a desire to worship God. So whatever A may be, or however hard B may be to achieve, the equation of discipleship, because of Jesus, will always be J, will always be Jesus Christ. This is why though patterns and rituals that we do in church, that we do as disciples are helpful and good and may help to water the seed of faith shown in us, they're definitely things we should think about or take on, true discipleship, true becoming like Jesus can only be given by living a relationship with Christ through which God pours forth his spirit and helps us to develop love and obedience. It's a desire to become more like Jesus rather than a desire to just follow some rules because that's what we feel we should do. But, you may say, as we've read through the passage this morning, as you read through it later perhaps, as you heard it read this morning, does Paul, in chapter 4 and elsewhere in the Bible, not give us clear legalistic rules which govern your and my action as the light in a life of a disciple? Are we not told we have to do certain things in a certain way if we are to resemble Jesus? What about rules on sex, such as verses 3 to 8 in the passage that we're looking at? Rules on how to react to other Christians in verses 9 and 10 of the passage? Rules on how to live in society, as seem to be outlined in verse 11 and then onwards into verse 12 beyond our passage? Yes, Paul speaks out truth on how the ways we live can be harmful or rewarded depending on what he's saying at the time. And yes, we would do well to heed these words as they're telling us what is good for us as human beings. But Paul, as we thought about last week, speaks them out of a place of relationship. A knowledge that as human beings, we mess up. That's the way that we're built. We need God in our lives, but in order to have God in our lives, we need to approach him with that need of relationship. That we need, in short, a saviour, and we have one in Christ. Paul is aware of that. He's told the Thessalonian church about that. He's written about it in this letter. A hope that God loves us and has made us holy and is building us as he builds his new creation within us and around us. So what Paul is pointing to, and what I want to focus on in the rest of this sermon, is obedience through a relationship with Christ, which finds expression in how we live as disciples as part of the church, out in the reality of the world, and where we start is dependent on our upwards relationship with God. In, out, up. As I've said, the obedience Paul is talking about is all about Christ who gives us a relationship with God. The upward connection between human and God filled by the Spirit. And we see this in the examples of obedience that Paul mentions in the passage that we're looking at this morning. 
In his example of sex, what John Stott describes as the most imperious of all human urges, which categorises, which shows for Paul, relationships with others in and out of the church. It's something that makes up human life, just as relationships do every day. And as we live out our relationship with others, be that a marriage relationship, be that a friend relationship, be that a work colleague relationship, or whoever it may be, our upwards relationship with God should govern how we go about them. Our core of who we are should not be on our human urges, on our human needs, but on love for each other and the other, because God's love is pouring out of us, as we thought about last week and Paul talks about at the end of chapter 3. Our instincts, the things that we naturally want to do as human beings, which make up our life as a human as much as our relationships, should be brought before God to be moulded and changed into something that gives life and builds God's kingdom. And this is why, I think, Paul gives that specific example in verses 3 to 8, which is probably in reference to some event or tension or action or something that had happened in the Thessalonian church, either when Paul was there or since he has left and is now writing to them. Because it's a very specific example that Paul gives that seems to show a wider example of what Paul is writing to as he continues to give examples in the rest of the passage because Paul's concern in giving this example on sex and adultery is the impact that it will have on someone else specifically another brother another person within the church because our relationships can either be based on what makes us feel good what we want to do our instincts a self-serving thing or they can be Christ-like relationships Our instincts are brought before God and the way that we live our life and we have our relationships with each other and those outside the church is all about showing God's love to the other. Not what I want, but what God wants of me. All of which is built by God who pours into us his love and his spirit and brings us into deeper relationship with God as we bring ourselves before God daily. You see, God wants to be involved in the core of you and your experience in such a way that even when we face hardship, as the Thessalonian church were doing, the reality, the sides of the coin, God can do an amazing work and build God's kingdom in anything that we face, the good and the bad. And this expression of love will impact how we are in church and how we're living out our faith in the world. As I've said, sometimes it can be tempting to um, view discipleship, to view building each other up in Christ, to view what we do in church like we've entered into a contract, a legal understanding with God and perhaps other people in the church, when the reality is that we're looking to be living out the covenant relationship as part of church with the people who we're developing and growing with, those we're taking part in discipleship with, and in our relationship with God. 
And if you've never come across those terms before, or you've never really thought about them, you might think, well, what's the difference between a contract and a covenant? We have them still in our law system today. Surely it all comes to just the same thing. A contract and a covenant are similar, but they're also subtly different. And it's this subtle difference which Paul, I think, is getting at within the passage. Because a contract assumes that there are rules that we must follow, things we must do and say to fulfil our duty as a Christian. Whereas a covenant helps us to develop ways and means of building something for the benefit of everyone that shows God. A contract assumes that we'll be told what to do, when and in what capacity by the person at the top. A covenant is discovering together where we are going and what we are doing. A contract makes things black and white, whereas a covenant is relational, sometimes complex and has the capacity to develop and change and express itself in many different ways. The question is, are we part of church? Are we a Christian because we feel obligated to be? Do we turn up at the right time? Are we involved in certain things? Do we keep the show of church on the road because we're a Christian and we feel that obligation? Is our spiritual well-being on our ability, our ability to reach out to others, our way of growing, all tied into that belief that if we fill certain terms, God will do certain things for us, that A plus B equals C. When things go wrong in our life, as they sometimes do, do we assume that we or someone else has upset the Almighty and that is the reason? Are we frustrated by the lack of effort by others when we feel the institution we are invested in slipping or changing? Are we worried when what we've done for so many years seems to change very slightly on a Sunday morning? Or are we part of church because it helps us to discover the blessing and truth of Jesus who we know about, who we're invested in because of the faith and what Jesus has done for us? Do we invest our time because when we worship together, we see the reality of God in broken, hurt people just like me? Do we undertake activities in our community as part of church because we feel the way God has gifted others alongside us will have far more impact on our world than if I just try and do it alone? Do we have hope that we can withstand the slings of forces opposed to God and the realities of life because we see it play out in others and are encouraged? Do we seek to build people in the ways of God on other terms other than just our own because we know that God is bigger than my own personal theology or understanding of how things are or should be or how the church should work? A contract is legalistic, built on rules and obligations. A covenant is relational, built on our common understanding that God wants to work in all of us and bring all of creation to a place of glory. 
A contract breeds institution. An institution demands your money so it can run for as long as possible, storing it up so that institution will last. It's focused on getting new members who will fit the mould of what we do here. It's focused on rules and regulations to keep things in check. And therefore institutions are open to judgement from the world on whether it's worth or what they're doing is right and are of this world and will fade as the new heaven and earth becomes a reality. Whereas covenant breeds community and in community you serve with time and money out of a desire for others to grow in a kingdom way. Where the focus is on God changing lives. Where what God is saying and where we are going is worked out together. Where we're not interested in the valuation or appreciation that the world puts on what we're doing. But on seeing God work in greater ways. Where it's a community that is building one another up as disciples. So that our faith shines out everywhere. So as Paul says in verse 9, brotherly love is evident as we live out and in church. In our normal everyday lives. The ambition of obedience of discipleship that Paul is pointing to in his letter is to discover how to be a follower in Christ, where God has put you now. Not where you want to be in 20 years' time, not where you were six years ago, but right now where God has put you. It's a bit like there's a thousand-piece jigsaw that you're one piece of. And we've probably all done it where you've got a jigsaw, you tip all the pieces out of the box, it's spread out all over the table, and you think, gosh, this is going to be difficult to put the picture together. And what you find as you start to put that jigsaw together is there's lots of different pieces, and some of the pieces will look awfully similar to one another. If you have a piece of sky and it's a blue sky, then you might struggle to work out which bit of sky goes where because it's so difficult. And there'll be other jigsaw pieces that are completely different. There might be a person's head or the wheel of a tractor or a fox or some other kind of animal. But each piece of the jigsaw to make the picture so we can see what's going on, has its place. It might be on the side or in the corner, it might be right in the middle, but it each has its own place. And as we live out this obedience, inside and outside of the church, the way that we go about it, what we do, what we find useful and helpful, might be very similar to everybody else. It might be that we feel like we're a bit of a sky, a bit like everybody else we worship with. But we still have our place in the church to build others up. As we live outside the church, we might feel like we're not that different to other people in the world. We have a normal job, we do normal things, we're a normal family. Um, But actually God has a purpose for there as well. Even though we feel like a piece of sky, God has placed us in that picture, in that thing that he is building for a reason. Maybe we don't feel like that at all. Maybe we always feel that we're something completely different in the church. We're always trying to do something a bit radical. Maybe outside we have a very, very different life to most other people. But again, it's the same message. We're that jigsaw piece where God has wanted to put us. Placed in the church for a reason. And placed where we live out our faith outside of the church for a reason. To help build that picture. To show that picture of God's love and grace and mercy where 
God needs us and has placed us and wants us to be. God has placed us in places with people we can help to build as disciples of Christ. And to do that, we don't need to be unnaturally loud people standing on the street corner with a megaphone yelling about Jesus. But as Paul says in the passage, we just quietly need to live out our faith in a way that is natural to us, allowing the Spirit to take who we are and where we are and to use it for God's glory. The reality is that, particularly in this day and age, our world does not like being told where it is going wrong. We see that with political figures like Donald Trump, other people, who whenever there's a suggestion they've done anything wrong, will defend it in such a way that they'll even lie about it if they have to. Our world does not like to be told where it goes wrong, what it must do, that it needs to be saved. But what is also true is that when our world sees something that they want, something that will be described as sacred or valuable, Our world will do anything to obtain it and to have it and to understand it. This, I think, is the concept of what Paul is getting at when he talks of obedience. That we are living for something, we are developing something in our relationship with God that others want, that others see as sacred, that others go, actually, I want a life like that. And then they ask questions and then we can point them towards Jesus Christ. And the reality is that some of you should be up here preaching that this morning because some of you are far better at working out where those people and those ways that you do that is than me. We have people here in this church who are very good at just naturally living out their faith, who will walk the dog and will get into a conversation with somebody where they're building up a relationship gradually or they naturally just mention they go to church or that they're a Christian. We have other people who have very ordinary jobs but go in the workplace and are just ordinary people but actually as people get to know them they find out there's something different about them and eventually they're introduced to somebody who has a faith in Jesus. It's that ability to offer God the places we are in And in obedience to God, live out this loving grace we have been given by Christ daily. That is what Paul is getting at. So what is it that we should be obedient to this morning? What is it that Paul is telling us we should be obedient to? Life to the full as offered by Jesus. To finding ways of building your brothers and sisters up in Christ. Finding ways of taking what God has given you and offering it as a sacrifice inside and outside of what we do as church. Being obedient to developing the core of who we are as people so that we're in line with the heart of God. And we've gone full circle because we've ended up where we started last week. That The way that we go about this, the way we are obedient to people is by filling ourselves with God's love. There's a children's song that was a favourite of mine when I was about five years old, and I'm heartened um, when I went to school in the last week, when I went to Burbage Infant School, to find out that they actually still sing it some 29 on Wednesday, 14 years later, after I sung it in school, although it sounds hilarious with the Hinkley accent. But it's a song where the words go like this, love 
is something when you give it away, when you give it away, when you give it away. Love is something when you give it away, you'll end up having more. For it's just like a magic penny. Hold it tight and you won't have any. But spend it, lend it, you'll have so many. It will roll all over the floor. This is what obedience to God is. It's being filled with that love. But not just so that we feel good, not just so we can have a relationship with God, not just because we're going to heaven when we die, though that is all true, but so that it can spill out. It's like we're giving coins to the rest of creation so that they too can grow in um, grace and love and come to know who Jesus is. And we're going to reflect on that before we come to a time of prayer Um, Some music's going to play. The words are going to appear on the screen behind me. Um, And then we'll come and we'll pray for each other and for the world in a few moments' time.